This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. So much to get into as we welcome you into this Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line. This show, as always, presented by DraftKings. Stormy Bonantoni with you alongside Mike Somich, who's filling in for Michael Lombardi for the next couple of days. You can catch him every weekend on The Handle, 4 to 7 Pacific time, right here on VEASAN and DraftKings Network. Mike, uh, that makes it easier on me that that's your name, that I don't have to worry about some slip up (laughs) saying something else. How are you today? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing good. I don't have the Super Bowl rings, but I promise mm-hmm. I'll be bringing all the bets here today. And we get to talk a little hockey. Great NCAA basketball action both last night and today. As we come up toward March Madness, some good uh, NFL news as well to get to. So I'm excited to rip through the show with you, Stormy. Yeah, absolutely. We've got so much to get into over the course of the next two hours. We're also going to have our good friend Adam Burke, vcin.com managing editor, join us in about a half an hour. And he'll join us for two segments today, getting into some Major League Baseball and college hoops in an hour two. Harry Gagnon and his usual weekday spot uh, host of the against all odds podcast get some of his plays for the day but you said it uh if you're if anyone is missing the nfl on the weekends right now i know a lot of us got so into that rhythm have no fear because all of the headlines that are coming out of the combine we have so much discussion about the national football league which is just 24 7 365 the sport that never sleeps and if you're looking for just some game action college basketball in the nba has been awesome particularly last night mike where we had I'm going to call it three buzzer beaters <laughs> and Max Struess kicking it off with a 59 footer. My goodness. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I, I saw two half court shots to win games. <laughs> Struess yeah. uh, taking care of business for Cleveland to, against Dallas. And then we saw it in the Colorado State game late night college basketball as well. So just just wild finishes all over the place. Didn't really affect the spread in either situation, mm-hmm. but still just a wild, wild finish. You're playing on the money line. And good for Jared Lucas, too, in that CSU Nevada game. He's the one that hit the the over the midcourt shot to win it for the Wolfpack because he missed a couple critical foul shots down the stretch. 
and like talk about redemption for that kid. And then also in the Kentucky Mississippi state game, what a night for Reed Shepard, the freshman off the bench over 30 points hits the floater for them to win it late. Uh, I know that the 0.5 seconds that go, went back on the clock after he made that shot kind of took away some of the emotions of the moment, but a big win for them. No letdown after what many expected could be coming off of that big win against Alabama. Yeah, huge win for Kentucky. And there's they're one of the teams I'm keeping my eye pretty mm. close on right now from a betting perspective and also a tournament perspective. They have all the talent in the world on the offensive side of the ball. They're able to score from pretty much anywhere. They can shoot the three. They can get into the lane. Defensively, though, they are an absolute mess. I mean, they gave up 100 to Tennessee earlier this year. Last night, a nice win for them. Uh, but it, just a ton of points in that game, ending up 91 to 89. Uh, this is a team that I'm really enjoying playing to the over. Anytime we're sitting in that 150 range, 155 range, when you have a team that can score the basketball, and when you look ahead toward tournament time, this is not a recipe for success. You have, yeah. you have to play defense at some point because if your offense can't get it going, you need to be able to string together stops to be able to come back. So I'm happy Kentucky was able to get the win. I had the over last night. I'll be looking toward overs for Kentucky throughout the uh, SEC tournament as well as to end the regular season here. But when it comes tourney time, I, this is a team I'm probably going to have knocked off before the Sweet 16, Stormy. Okay, so talk to me about that a little bit, because for me, Kentucky always grinds my gears this time of year because I get so excited because it's a team that at the beginning of the year is typically a little slow starting. They're always revamping their roster year in and year out. They're so talented, but what are you going to get? And then by the end of the year, conference tournament time, that's when they start to get hot and start looking really, really good, only to inevitably let you down in the tournament. Like, that's why I feel so scared to invest any of my money in the Wildcats moving forward. Well, it's tough. You never have that veteran laden team, right? It's always this kind of refresh that you're seeing every year. And so that sets it up for it to be hard to have a lot of tournament experience. And then a lot of these guys that are toward the NBA prospects, more the one and done guys, they want to be prolific offensive players. They're not nearly as concerned around the defensive side of the ball. And when you get to tournament time, I mean, just look at your team last year, San Diego State, they were bad on offense, I guess would be the best way to put it. But man, that defense was just stifling. And so they were able to really control games with the defensive side of the ball. You can't control a basketball game offensively because inevitably you're going to struggle at some point over a six game stretch where you have to win all of them. It is hard to just keep your foot on the pedal and be able to outscore everyone when you can't get any stops. And that's what we're seeing from this Kentucky team right now. For sure. And speaking of San Diego state, by the way, I, I bounced back yesterday betting because on Monday I thought that maybe I could roll over some of the awesome parlay action I had from the weekend into the weekdays that did not work out for me. But then yesterday we bounced back. I had San Jose state plus 22 and a half. I had OKC yesterday laying the 10. Both of those came through, so I'm feeling a little bit more confident, better about myself. Hopefully we can get that going again today. But I told y'all yesterday that San Diego State, despite what we saw against Fresno State, does not typically win by more than 20 points. That's just not their bag. It's not the type of game that they play. And San Jose State, despite their recent performances, the two games going into this one, they don't typically get blown out by more than 20 points. It's a fine line there. So I'm glad SDSU got that there done for me as well. And I, I mentioned uh, oh, and like, how can we talk about college basketball and not also mention mention the BYU knocks off Kansas yesterday like the parody just continues which makes I think the excitement for the NCAA tournament that much more because you really never know it could be anybody's game despite some of those dominant teams 
Yes, Kansas team, another team that I was I was excited to fade come tournament time. Kind of bummed they lose to BYU here because I wanted them to be on that two line so I could take that 7-10 matchup over them. Looks like they're going to end up being a three or four depending on how the rest of their season plays out. It's a great performance from BYU, though, and this has been a phenomenal conference all year long. I mean, it just the Big 12 has been great on the basketball side. You're going to have a bunch of teams in from the Big 12. This is going to be a fun setup, though, Stormy. I mean, we talked like last year you saw Purdue go down as a one seed to a 16. You have a ton of variance in college basketball, and you're going to see upsets consistently happen. I think the second round this year is going to be an absolute bloodbath. When we get to that round of 32, you've gonna, you're going to have a lot of live teams taking on one, two, and three seeds that are all going to be catching somewhere between five and seven points that are, are, that are able to pull off the outright upset. And so it's going to be another fun bracket year. I, I am going to be a little bit crazy this year with my bracket because I do have quite a few teams I want to fade. And the teams that are really good, the Houstons and the Purdue's, have shown us they can lose before as well when they are those high seeds. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens come March. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just because I'm sure that our buddy Elliot producer today is wondering, do you believe in Matt Painter? Is that Are you one of those people that just can't get on board with him in the postseason? I, I, I'm never going to just completely cross out a coach. I, I think that's getting a little aggressive, but not a lot of programs have lost as a two and a one in back to back years to 15s and 16. So not exactly a great, uh, great yeah. resume that we've got for painter right now. I, this Purdue team feels different though. This one feels like they, they have the ability to be able to score the ball a little bit easier than they did last year. The defense is still there. They, they are very well-rounded. I'd be surprised if they go down early, but I'd also be pretty surprised if they end up cutting down the nets. Okay. Uh, any interest in any of the bigger games today? I know we'll get into some of the smaller conferences a little bit later on in the show, but we got Auburn, Tennessee, Providence, Marquette, Creighton in a bounce back spot off the loss at St. John's against Seton Hill and Ole Miss, Alabama. Anything you like in some of the marquee matchups of the night? I haven't bet any of these games. I'm excited to watch this Tennessee team play. Yeah. They're in an interesting position. They've got four ranked opponents to close out the year, including a rematch with Kentucky to end it. So they really have their ability to move up in the the, the uh, seating lines perspective. So they could jump up from being a two or a three all the way up into a one spot if they're able to run out, run the table. So interested to watch the Tennessee game from that perspective. Uh, then the Seton Hall and Creighton game, I think, is super interesting as well. We saw Creighton absolutely roll UConn. They come back. Tough matchup for them to go to St. John's right after that. They come out flat, end up losing that game. Now they're at home against Seton Hall, a team that that they played a triple overtime game with earlier in the season at Seton Hall. I think you're going to see a really inspired Creighton effort today. I have not bet that one. I've been going back and forth on whether or not I want to lay it full game or first half with Creighton. Going to make that decision at some point today, but I, I'm excited to see both of those games. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, because you have that side of it as well as Seton Hall coming off their big win over Butler too. So it feels like a good place for Creighton to have a big win. And, and then in the NBA, I, I told you I got the OKC win yesterday against the Rockets, but I am kicking myself that I didn't just say I'm going to lay it with Boston against this 76ers team because they are the best team in the league. They keep doing it night after night and the 76ers can't seem to do anything right without Joel Embiid. Yeah, the Sixers are an absolute free fall. It, it, the question is, when do we get Embiid back at this point? Because they clearly cannot compete with the top teams in the East without him. And this Boston team, I am they are historically good. I, we're talking like yeah. top 10 if you look at, at rating-wise over the entire course of the season ever. And we're talking with the, the 16 and 17 Warriors, the Bulls from the 90s. That's the level of good Boston is. And it's funny we're not hearing more about it. 
it feels like because of the playoff runs the last couple of years, people don't fully trust or buy into this Boston team, but the addition of Porzingis has made them just so much more dynamic offensively and give them so many more options. They have two of the highest rated threesomes on the court in the NBA. They're one and two in the entire NBA. And so you've got so much depth this year. It feels like it's really their East to win. And then the question of who comes out of the West and able to challenge them for the title. Well, one of the teams is certainly going to try to challenge the Celtics in the East is the Milwaukee Bucks. They blow out the Hornets yesterday by 38, 123-85, the final there. Should we be believing what we're seeing from Milwaukee these last three games, or is it a little fictitious? What do you think? A little of both. I mean, I I don't think that they are as bad as we saw them going into the All-Star break. I'm also not sure what their ceiling is, though. I mean, they've become so much worse on the defensive side of the ball at the point of attack. Losing Drew Holiday was massive for this team. And when you replace it with like Nurkic on the inside, who's not exactly uh, I'm sorry, when you when you replace the outside with someone like Dame Lillard, who is not really a good defender, the the question of the question becomes, you know, can Lopez, can Giannis be able to protect the rim for them consistently? I think you're going to see some improvement over Doc Rivers, but he's not really changing the scheme defensively. He's basically saying, hey, just play harder defense which will work to a point, but you need to adjust the scheme to be able to keep people out of the lane if you want to be consistent. And they haven't played the top teams, right? They got the 76ers without uh, without Embiid, and now they got the Hornets. I want to see them go against the Celtics, some of the other big-time teams of the East before I I, I crown them as being back and being a real contender. Well, and it's interesting. Since Doc took over, the Bucs ranked sixth now in defensive efficiency, playing harder to your point, but 19th in offensive efficiency, whereas under Adrian Griffin, they were 19th in defensive efficiency and second in offensive efficiency. So maybe a little overcompensation. Can we find a bit of a middle ground here from Milwaukee? We shall see. Uh, We're going to hit the break here when we return. Yesterday was the first portion of podium action at the NFL Combine. Lots of sound coming out from GMs and coaches. We'll get into it when we return. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Smart journalism. 
fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Put the VSIN experts to work for you and start betting smarter with a VSIN Pro subscription. Sign up on a VSIN Pro annual subscription today and get your first year for only $199 instead of the typical price of $240. Just use our promo code Lombardi. Get VSIN Pro access to everything we do for an entire year, including our daily best bets with the leaderboard to see which VSIN expert has the hot hand. Betting splits to show you where the money and bets are moving for every game. Betting systems, premium analysis, 24 7 video access, plus our upcoming March Madness betting guide with best bets for every game and round of the tournament. Remember, use that promo code Lombardi. That'll get you your first year of VEASAN Pro Access for only $199. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Wow. I was doing so well until the end there. Welcome back to the Lombardi line. Uh, Mike Zomich in for Michael Lombardi today as we turn our attention to the NFL Combine and all of the headlines that are coming out of the first day where we had true media availability, a bunch of head coaches and general managers at the podium, most notably Bears GM Ryan Poles discussing what they want to do at quarterback, what the plan is for Justin Fields moving forward. Um, What he did come away saying is as it pertains to Justin Fields, he wants to do right by him and a couple other things coming out with the number one overall pick that they would really need a significant offer in order for them to move off of that pick. It it sounds to me like they already know what they want to do, Mike, but let's hear straight from the source himself in Ryan Poles. When do you want to know what you're going to do? Tomorrow. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, no, before no, free agency? Or, I would love to know as soon as possible. Uh, again, it just depends on what opportunities pop up. Um, I will say this. Um, I think you guys know me uh, well enough now. I do, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. I think he knows Justin Fields just might not know yet. How do you see it, Mike? Yeah, I think everyone knows, right? Justin Fields is gone. He's he's going somewhere. The question is where it feels like it's Atlanta. I know we've seen a ton of buzz torn Atlanta over the last week because of the podcast that Justin mm-hmm. Fields went on, because of some of the comments that we have seen, uh, the fit with the city that we heard about, the, in Atlanta looking for someone that fits the city well. And hey, guess what? That's Justin Fields. So uh, to me, it feels like it's almost a done deal. The question really left is, What's going to be the price on Justin Fields? And he's a key domino when you're looking at the overall quarterback market because we've got a couple teams that feel like they need quarterbacks. And Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins are the best two available. It feels like Kirk Cousins is going to go back to Minnesota. We'll see if that deal gets done or not. We can talk about that a little bit later. Then Justin Fields is the other key because we've seen him be linked to Pittsburgh. We've seen him be linked to Atlanta. If I'm a betting man, and guess what I am, I would go ahead and bet Atlanta here, depending on what the odds are. We know that came down from DraftKings because there's been so many rumors about where he is going to end up here. But it feels like this is getting close to happening. Justin Fields is going to be shipped out somewhere. 
it feels like it's going to be Atlanta at this point, Stormy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Unfortunately, I don't think we can bet it right now because DraftKings and other sports books have taken that market down where things sit right now because of exactly what you mentioned with him on the St. Brown Bros podcast and when he was asked about following those Atlanta players and what he thinks about the Falcons. For somebody who hadn't thought about it, he seemed to have really thought about it and would like them to add another wide receiver, right? So um, that portion of it and then exactly what Raheem Morris had to say speaking about what he's looking for in a quarterback in Atlanta is a guy who fits the team, who fits what the coaches want to do, who fits the city, and a guy who's homegrown from Atlanta, even actually went to Georgia immediately out of college. I think a lot of people forget because of the storied success that he had at Ohio State, but a Georgia boy through and through. So a lot of interesting ties there. And I would love him in Atlanta personally. I think that that's a roster and an offense that has so much meat that was left on the bone. And maybe a change will do you good if you're Justin Fields after coming from an organization like Chicago that is just... I feel like known in recent history for having a lot of failure when it comes to developing quarterbacks and seeing what maybe a new space and a new system can do for him. Yeah, I, I think it's a great fit for him. I mean, if you look back to last year, he's he's a significantly better version of Desmond Ritter, who was quarterback there last year. He's not going to turn the football over inside the red zone like Ritter consistently did. The division is atrocious. The weapons are an upgrade from what he has in Chicago. And you mentioned the market is off the board of DraftKings. There are other markets you can attack, though, if you would like to try and find a way to get some exposure toward uh, toward fields going to Atlanta. You can bet them to win the NFC. You can bet them to win the division. Both of those still on the board. So if you want to play Atlanta in those type of scenarios, I think there's some value in doing that. You can even bet them to win the Super Bowl at a pretty long price right now. And the beauty of playing them at, you know, those 40 to one numbers to win the Super Bowl and the 20 to one range to win the NFC is you if they get fields, they should win this division. If they win the division, all of a sudden you can monetize those tickets when it comes time in the playoffs. I agree. And you mentioned him being a significant upgrade from Desmond Ritter. Uh, Atlanta Falcons new head coach Raheem Morris did not mince words when he was asked about the state of the team's offense. Hear this. I'm not afraid to say that we have the ability and we're capable to go out there and win next year. If we do some of the right things, some of the right moves, we can do that. And that's not an arrogance. That's not a confidence. That's not a cockiness. That is more of a credit to the people that were in the building with me still and some of the people that are not there now and what they've been able to do. You know, if we had better quarterback play last year in Atlanta, I might not be standing here. If we had better quarterback play last year in Atlanta, I might not be standing here. Like the lie detector test has determined that is not a lie. Like he is, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate. And I know that it's, it sounds cold. And if you're Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke, you're probably not feeling particularly confident right now, but it's the truth. And I applaud Raheem Morris for just being open and honest about it. Yeah, he's not wrong. I mean, they cost them four games, cost them division most likely. I mean, just the red zone turnovers alone were absolutely atrocious. As someone who bet Atlanta way too much last year, <laughs> it was so frustrating to watch them on offense. And it's not just that. It's He mentioned some people who are in the building who are not the weapons that we have. Guess what? I think they're probably going to get the ball to their best players next year, which is something we didn't see all of last mm -hmm. year either. We saw them not give the ball to Bijan. It was always Algiers. It was Patterson later in the year. They haven't figured out how to use pits in three years. They have the weapons in the building. They have the pieces. It's just putting those pieces together and completing the puzzle. And the last piece left is getting a quarterback in the room that can do that. And look, I'm not a huge Justin Fields guy. But when you look at what his talent set is and you put it on that team, if you have him running, you know, read option with yeah. Bijan and then being able to throw it to guys like London, to guys like Pitts, if he wants to throw the football, it's a beautiful setup for him. He also gets to play on turf, one of the fastest fields in the NFL prior to that. 
He was playing one of the slowest fields in the NFL. So a massive difference from that perspective as well for Justin Fields. I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Justin Fields, but this Atlanta team could be dangerous once they get to the playoffs with Justin Fields. And so I, I feels like it's a perfect match made in heaven here. And I agree with Morris. Look, he's right. He wouldn't have that job if the quarterbacks played better last year. He also wouldn't have that job if Arthur Smith and that that regime didn't bet on those quarterbacks. So I think we all knew going into the season, it wasn't going to be pretty. Yeah, and to your point, anything can happen once you get to the tournament, and that's a division that is certainly up for grabs if they play it right. Uh, another quarterback domino that needs to fall is going to be Russell Wilson. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a minus 225 favorite for Russell Wilson to beat their next QB1, but he's still at where things sit right now is the Denver Broncos quarterback, and Sean Payton said yesterday he hopes to have an answer on Wilson's future coming within the next two weeks. Um, it, it, Justin Fields and, and Russell Wilson, I think the, the biggest dominoes that we need to see how these things play out. Yeah, and then you have Pittsburgh and Atlanta who both need quarterbacks. And it feels like if one goes, gets one, the other, that the quarterback who is left ends up in the other spot. Justin Fields seems like the prize to me here. And the fact that Denver has not really figured out slash they already know they're cutting him, but they have not <laughs> cut him yet means that he can't go somewhere, decide his landing spot. So it feels like Fields makes the move first. It seems like that's Atlanta. And then you'll see Russell Wilson get cut and end up in Pittsburgh, most likely. So we're starting to see the movement that we were expecting. It's nice to have all the GMs in one spot so they can actually give us some information here right now, even though this is going to be one of those weak combines where it doesn't seem like anyone's actually going to participate. So we'll, we'll see what happens from that perspective. But it does feel like this Russell Wilson to Pittsburgh is also gaining more and more steam because Fields to Atlanta seems to be a thing. Which means the Broncos. Broncos are going to have to figure out what's next for them in the position as you as you referenced there with with the combine side of it. But take a listen to this quote from Sean Payton. It's great. I, I, I saw this like humorous meme the other day where there was a Bronco fan with a shirt on and there was like eight quarterbacks names with a cross through it, you know, and, and he's drinking the quarterback Kool-Aid. And, I, you know, our, our job is to make sure that this next one, you know, doesn't have a line through it. Simeon Osweiler, all the names. And then you see Wilson at the bottom already scratched off. So for somebody who's saying they, they hope to have something figured out in the next two weeks, it sounds pretty clear that they already know that they're moving off of Russell Wilson. It's just a matter of where. And unfortunately for them, they're still going to have to pay him. So I'm sure they're happy that they got the salary cap bump this year. Yeah, the salary cap definitely helps them out because of all the dead cap money they're going to have. And I mean, based on all the rumors we're hearing it, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a line through J.J. McCarthy's name on that T-shirt next, because he, he's now been rumored to be the hot quarterback who's moving up in the first round of the draft, which is wild to me. I have him as like a third round guy. So the fact that he's out there in the first round seems crazy, but it feels like Denver is going to reach to try and go get someone. They've got one quarterback on the roster right now, one single year left in his deal. That kind of feels like the bridge deal. You want to get a quarterback in the draft this year so that you can try and groom them to be the quarterback of the future. It feels like a reach if they take J.J. McCarthy right there at the 12 spot, but we'll see if they decide to make that decision. Well, Russell Wilson wasn't his guy, so if he likes J.J. and wants to develop him, and if that's someone he believes in, then you do you, Sean Payton. If it's something that'll make you happy, the offense will flourish. Who knows? Uh, we're going to hit the break here. Adam Burke is going to join us coming up next. Get back into a little college hoops for the night. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. 
If you haven't already, make sure you check out the new and improved vsin.com. Our website's got a fresh new look, enhanced navigation, and a mobile first focus, but all that same great content, including today on the homepage, best bets and predictions for all of tonight's action around the NHL, the NBA, and college basketball. We're talking a little hoops as Adam Burks joins the show now, vsin.com managing editor, joining Mike Somich and myself, Stormy Bonantoni, live on the Lombardi line. Adam, there were a bunch of buzzer beaters yesterday in college basketball. The NBA, and it's got me thinking, what is the best way to end a game in sports? Is it a buzzer beater? Is it a walk-off homer? Is like what's what's the best way in your mind? Is it a Hail Mary? Well, the best way for a game to end is with a bet that wins, I guess would be the way that I would say. <laughs> well played. But uh I for me, I mean, I'm a baseball guy by trade, so it's gotta be walk-off home run for me. What do you think, Samich? What's yours? Oh, this one's easy, Stormy. It's an overtime playoff goal in the NHL playoffs. Ooh. Mm. GWG in game seven overtime. Mm-hmm. I do love the, that. I also could see. I also could see in golf, though, like a 40 foot putt on 18 or in a playoff or something like that. Like just a monster moment. I don't know. Something to get the gallery going. I just I just love it. Any hooser in college hoops coming up tonight, Adam, you've got an article up right now at vcin.com diving into your three favorite plays coming up this evening. And you're delving into the SoCon today, which I love. Why do you like Samford at Wofford? Yeah, I like Samford tonight a, a good amount. I mean, this is a Wofford team that, you know, historically they're pretty good, but this season they've really struggled against any team that's on their level or better than them. Most of their wins in conference play have come against inferior competition, and a lot of their losses against teams that are better than them have really not been close games. They're not a very good defensive team. Offensively, they're fine, but Samford is one of the top defensive teams, you know, in this conference, certainly, but also top 15 in the nation in terms of turnover percentage on defense. So, this is a Bulldogs bunch. They get some extra possessions. They capitalize on them. They're one of the best offensive teams in the nation. And Samford is honestly, you know, we're, you know, irrespective of what happens tonight, they're a team that nobody wants to face in the NCAA tournament if they're able to get out of the SOCON. So simply to me, this is a play where I think Samford is clearly the better team and Wofford has struggled against teams that are clearly the better team. I'm excited to jump into your next game from the Big South here, Adam. We are both on Winthrop, catching the eight and a half. I love this as a rematch game here. Winthrop lost at home 83 to 81 in that spot. Uh, we saw Kiza Gifa go off for, uh, for High Point there, scoring 37. Now, High Point is the best team in the conference. They're 12 and 2 right now. What pushed you toward Winthrop here? Yeah, so there's a couple things. You know, one of the things that I look at a lot when it comes to college basketball handicapping is where do teams take their shots from? You know, do they take a lot of shot attempts at the rim? And Wofford is a team that's top 30 in the country in terms of shot share on close twos. So layups, dunks, tip-ins, stuff like that. In the first meeting between these two teams, 68 possessions in that game. Wofford had 42 shot attempts at the rim. So they got inside very effectively on this high point team. And I love teams that are able to do that, that are catching points. Winthrop's getting eight and a half in this game. They get to the free throw line at a higher rate than anybody else in the country. And also the one thing that's a bit of an issue for them, they will turn the ball over some, but high point does not force turnovers at all. They're 344th in the country in turnover percentage. And I'm getting an eight and a half point head start with Winthrop. They may win the game. This may be a spot where you want to look to sprinkle that money line a little bit, but I think getting an eight and a half point head start with a team that I know is going to get the ball inside and therefore create some offensive efficiency. I think it's a really good look for tonight. Let's hit the lower conference trifecta because we go from the SoCon to the Big South to now the Sun Belt and Troy getting two and a half points at Louisiana Lafayette, despite the Raging Cajuns dropping their last three games. Do you think that's a good play taking the plus points? 
Yeah, I love the Fun Belt. In fact, I'll be writing up the Fun Belt Conference Tournament for us next week over at vston.com where we'll be covering all 32 of the conference tournaments. Mike Savage will have a hand in that as well. But as far as this game goes, you know, Troy is just playing better at this point in time. Louisiana, as you mentioned, they've dropped three in a row. This is a team that's very, very depth shy. Five players for Louisiana have played at least two-thirds in terms of percentage of the available minutes, and four of them have played almost 72% of the available minutes. So they just don't have any depth whatsoever. They take on a Troy team that, once again, gets inside quite a bit, plays a physical type of game. But yeah, Troy is just a team that's on the rise right now where I think Louisiana kind of sputtering a little bit. They're sort of running on fumes with a complete lack of depth to this team. So also one other thing about Louisiana, they're number one in the country in three-point percentage against. But over the last three games, that's regressing a little bit, 42.2% allowed. I think those tired legs aren't getting out to the perimeter as well on the defensive side. I like Troy getting two and a half tonight, and this is definitely one where I'd sprinkle the money line. Yeah, I looked at this Troy team for a while. I wasn't able to get to the window, but I, I agree with you. The Troy definitely feels like the right side in this spot. Uh, let's look at another game tonight. I, I'm not going to call it a marquee matchup. But I think it's a very, very interesting game. You've got Seton Hall taking on number 12 Creighton. They played once before, went to triple overtime, almost an instant classic there at Seton Hall. Now they're at Creighton, and this Creighton team has been had a little bit of up and down stretch here. We see them blow out UConn at home. Then they go to St. John's. They take the loss there. And what was a, a kind of sleepy loss, but also a tough matchup for them. We're seeing Seton Hall come off a big win against Butler. Do you like anything tonight in the Big East and specifically that Seton Hall-Creighton game? Yeah, so I didn't play anything in this game, Mike, but in kind of looking at it, I did give some thought to taking the over in this game. I mean, Creighton is a jump-shooting team. I've talked about that before. Obviously, they went nuclear in that game against UConn. They're a team that is much more interesting to me at home because they do take so many jump shots. They don't get to the rim a ton, despite the fact that they have a guy in Kalkbrenner who's you know seven foot one and a really, really good player down low. Their shot share on close twos is under 31%. That's definitely well, well, well below the national average. So I much prefer them at home, where you know being a jump shooting team with the familiar backdrop is beneficial to them. But then you have a Seton Hall team that almost 49% of their shot attempts come at the rim. So they get in there, they get those high percentage looks. Oftentimes, that's a pretty good offensive strategy for a team. And Creighton doesn't force any turnovers whatsoever. 362nd in the nation in turnover percentage. So I think both teams are able to get their points here in this game. Even though this probably gets played to about 66, 67 possessions, I would look over in this game if I was to make any play. What about Providence at number five, Marquette? Uh, Marquette's laying a big number up to 11 and a half right now. Providence has won a few games in a row, but... For Marquette, they had that eight-game win streak. They get embarrassed by UConn last week, but have bounced back in the two games since against DePaul and Xavier. Is is 11 and a half a little too much now, or do you think that they're really the real deal and they're on their A game since that game against the Huskies? Yeah, I would say if I was to play this one, I would take the I would take the points here with, with Providence in this game. I mean, look, you know, Marquette's a team that gets to the rim a lot. Providence is a team that gets to the rim a lot as well. But Providence is one of the better teams in terms of rim protection defense in the nation. Opponents only shooting 52.1% on their close two shot attempts. National average is in the 57 to 58% range. So they're well below the national average in terms well, well above, I guess you would say defensively. Uh, relative to the national average in terms of protecting the rims. So for me, that's something I think helps Providence in this game. It's something that, to me, would help a big underdog keep the game close. We'll see if they can slow it down a little bit. Marquette does want to play with more tempo than they do. But I just don't see that sizable of a gap between these two teams. There is one, 
And Marquette is definitely the better team, especially if you get a really, really good Tyler Kolek. But to me, I think that, you know, double digits here with Providence would be the way that I would look. But again, this is a game that I couldn't quite get there on. Now, the marquee matchup of the night, most likely coming out of the SEC here, we've got Auburn headed in to take on number four, Tennessee. And this Auburn team gets slept on a little bit. They have three wins over ranked opponents, including a win over Alabama, 21 and six right now on the season. We saw this game open up as Tennessee is a five and a half point favorite, and it has floated all the way up to Tennessee minus seven and a half. This is really the last big game for Auburn. They play three pretty weak opponents to close the season. Tennessee is taking on, this is going to be their first of four ranked opponents in a row to close out the season. Do you have anything that you like in this spot nothing I like in this game but Mike I actually want to throw something back at you here because I think what's really interesting about this game and, and what we saw also last night with BYU and Kansas where I fell victim to Kansas I got a better number than the closing number had it minus six and a half closes eight Kansas loses the game outright but there's this narrative in college basketball that you know teams don't lose at home right that's just kind of been the narrative throughout the course of this season I don't think the gap between these two teams is big at all I think Auburn has a much better coach. Then I, I, I fade Rick Barnes anytime I really get the opportunity to. But it feels to me like this narrative and a lot of public money in the college basketball market is kind of driving up some of these home favorites. Right, Mike? I agree with you. Yeah, you, it's hard to fade some of these teams at home. And when you see a two possession number like five and a half, you kind of naturally gravitate toward laying it with Tennessee, especially when you look at Auburn like Auburn. People just don't respect Auburn as much as they respect some other teams inside the SEC because it's an Auburn name. You think of them as a football school. But like I said, they have three wins over ranked opponents. And this is a Tennessee team that can be up and down, especially on the offensive end. So to me, this is one where I'm more tempted to go dog in the over than I am taking the favorite, especially after the two point move. I made it six. So five and a half seemed right about correct for me. And, And again, this is Auburn's last big game. Tennessee has a huge end to their season. There is an emotional aspect of this as well, where Tennessee can be looking ahead to the rest of their schedule, and Auburn is focused 100% on this spot. So to me, this is dog or pass. Yeah, those final four games uh, after this one at Auburn, uh, against Auburn, at Alabama, at South Carolina, and then hosting Kentucky. Uh, Adam, you good to stick around uh, for one more segment, talk a little baseball? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Our our MLB expert, Sabermetrics guru, Adam Burke, diving into the MLB when we return here on the Lombardi line. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use the promo code VSEN when you sign up. That's V-S-I-N. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. We are less than a month out from first pitch of the 2024 MLB season. And in case you didn't know, fun fact, this year will actually begin in Korea with the Dodgers and Padres facing off in the Seoul Series and then the true opening day, all 30 teams coming out on March 28th. Spring training, meanwhile, underway. Adam Burke covers everything on this network. We had a great conversation talking college hoops before the break, but now let's turn it to the Major League Baseball slate and talk because you have an article out right now about how how to bet spring training. We've got a free MLB primer that's available on vcin.com that you put together. What are just some of the key things that people should know at this point in the year before the season gets underway? Yeah, I mean, I guess we can start with spring training since that's what's going on right now. And, and some of the things that I would look for in terms of betting, you know, and I actually shared a tool from a good buddy of mine uh, at MLB dream on Twitter. You know, he's got a list over at the site that he works for uh, FTN bets of the pitchers that are going to pitch that day. You know, the managers tell you everything in spring training. They tell you who's going to pitch. They tell you who's going to follow who. Obviously, you know who's in the lineup, but they also know, you know, who's going to be available in terms of when those starters leave, stuff like that. So it's kind of like the NFL preseason where the managers will tell you everything, tell you who's going to be out there and for how long. So that can be a really, really good betting angle for you to take a look at with spring training. Weather is a huge factor. Again, games are played in Florida and in Arizona. It's warmer. Obviously, in Arizona, you get a little bit of elevation there in the Scottsdale, Phoenix area. So the ball carries a little bit better. You know, there are a lot of things you can look at to kind of give yourself an edge for spring training. Just if you're able to jump in front of line moves, if you can bet early on a team that's going to move, whether they move down or move up, that can be really, really positive for you. And the other one that I think is worth keeping in mind, especially as we get closer to the start of the regular season, Games that are broadcast on TV back to the home fans, that's usually going to be a game where a manager is going to put out his best lineup. They want to try to sell tickets. They want to try to sell interest and buzz in the team. You know, the broadcasters are going to know more about those players. So they're going to be more informed. So those are some things that you can take a look at when it comes to betting on spring training. 
I know a lot of people are probably laughing out there saying bet on spring training. What are you talking about? I, I can tell you betting on the NHL preseason and the NFL preseason have been two of my most profitable sports because of the information that you can get that is readily available and the lack of action you see on a lot of these games because you're not seeing the amount of bets and the limits are a little lower. The books are not paying nearly as much attention to these games. So spring training can definitely be something profitable if you're willing to put the work in. Like Adam said, if you have those re- resources to go and find out, OK, who's pitching, who's playing, who has the advantage here if there's a split squad where are the better players at on that split split squad so which side of the is that team focusing on it can give you an edge over the books just because of their lack of interest overall because of the lack of handle that you're going to see on it now adam let's jump into the world series odds we had a really interesting conversation this last weekend on the handle specifically about the dodgers right now they're sitting as the favorite plus 350 and i think both matt and i agreed they should be the favorite but is there any value on them at 350? Is this a number that's going to be sitting there all summer so you don't have to bet it now and tie your money up? Or is this the best number we're going to see on the Dodgers they head into the regular season? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, the Dodgers should be the favorite. I mean, you get Shohei Otani, you get Yamamoto. They had such a phenomenal core in place to begin with. But you're right. I mean, let's say that this team starts, you know, 10 and 10 over their first 20 games. And all of a sudden, the Padres get off to a really hot start or the Giants who are you know, kind of one of those, um, you know, in vogue teams in, in some respects. So if that happens and the Braves, get, let's say the Braves start, you know, like the Rays did last year or something like that. I mean, that was a really, really big outlier, but you may see the Dodgers at five to one, five fifty, six to one, something like that. You're probably going to get a better price than plus three fifty at some point throughout the course of the season. So no, I definitely wouldn't tie my money up for, you know, at this point, what about eight months, on a plus 350, something like that, or even seven months for opening day. That's not something that I would look to do. So, you know, for me, my approach to World Series futures, I don't bet a lot of them, but the ones that I do look for, I try to find teams that I think will gain equity as we go throughout the course of the season. Maybe teams that have a weak schedule to start the year, teams that play in a bad division that, you know, could be the best team in that division, looking to pick on, say, the AL Central or the NL Central, something like that. I want to get a team that's, you know, 40 to one that winds up being 20 to one throughout most of the season, something like that to where maybe they get a home series in the playoffs and then I can decide what I want to do from there because we all know how volatile the major league baseball playoffs are, but that's my hope. I try to find some mid and long shot types of teams that I like because look, I mean, the Braves, when they won the world series in 2021, they were 50 to one, 60 to one in the month of August. And then they played a really weak schedule, jumped into first place, rode that on through a title. So you know, I don't want to play the favorites now. I look to play some long shots that have you know higher playoff probabilities than what the market is pricing them at. Well, and Adam, you even look at last year's matchup, right, with the Rangers and Diamondbacks and how long those odds were prior to the season for those teams specifically. I thought it was interesting reading through your primer that when you talk about the Dodgers and not wanting to bet a plus 350 at this point in the year, you have to go back to 2016 to find the last time that the preseason favorite actually went on to win the World Series, and it was the Cubs against the Indians in that one. What do you think about the Braves in general? Just curious, because this is a team that's had the best record in baseball over the last couple of years, 205 wins in two seasons, and has nothing to show for it since winning that World Series. Well, I mean, their position player core is exceptional, and they've done such a really, really smart job with locking up a lot of those guys to very, very team-friendly contracts. Uh, That was something that John Hart did with the Indians back in the 90s, and that's something that, you know, he kind of carried over with this Braves team as well. And, you know, Alex Anthopoulos has really, you know, carried that that torch going forward. But look, I mean, this year, if Max Fried is healthy and you've got Spencer Strider, who apparently, you know, has added some new weapons and kind of tinkered with his arsenal. And then, oh, by the way, you've got Chris Sale, who 
I don't know what you're going to get from him. I don't know how many innings he's going to give you. But whatever he gives you should be pretty good. And as long as he gets through spring training healthy, that would be a really big win for the Braves, at least at this point in time. And, you know, these teams that are close, right, they work on kind of building up their depth. And the one thing for the Braves last year, while the young pitchers didn't come up and pitch all that well when they had a bunch of injuries, those guys got really, really valuable experience to where their rotation is probably nine or ten guys deep now, as opposed to maybe being six or seven last year. So I think this Braves team is really, really, really strong. They're very well run. They've got a good manager in Brian Snicker. Their lineup does everything. The bullpen is solid. If the starting rotation is healthier than it was last year, honestly, I could see a scenario. And again, the Dodgers on name value and all that alone. But I could see a scenario where the Braves you know, spend most of the year kind of being that World Series favorite. Now, one of the most interesting markets to me heading into the season here is, is the AL MVP market. You've got Shohei Otane, who's switched leagues, so he has now moved over toward the NL. So you take out your perennial favorite. Aaron Judge right now, your favorite at 5-1, to one, someone who I, I have some injury concerns. Can he be able to consistently stay in the lineup and put up those numbers? After that, it feels like it's just a little bit of a mess. I put a little ticket in on Bo Bichette at 30 to one, hoping that he can have a little bounce back year and be a little healthier this year. Are there any long shots in the AL MVP market that you're interested in? Any long shots? Well, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't really do a whole lot with player awards because I mean, like any other sport, if a guy gets hurt, you can kind of forget about it. And with major league baseball, 162 games, it is a massive grind. It is very easy to get banged up. I may get into the in season markets as opposed to the preseason markets, but as far as long shots go, you know, look, I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you kind of look at a guy like Jose Ramirez at 25 to one, right, the, the Guardians have a really, really good starting rotation. They have very little to work with on the position player side. And Jose Ramirez is the type of guy capable of carrying this offense. He plays gold glove caliber defense at third base. Uh, he's a guy that you know, has really established himself as one of the top you know, 15, top 20 players in all of Major League Baseball. 25 to one is not a long shot price, I wouldn't say, but he is a guy that will be there from a wins above replacement standpoint. Uh, the Guardians are kind of preaching, adding a little bit more power in terms of their approach at the plate here during spring training. That could kind of turn him loose a little bit. Somebody's got to get on base in front of him to get the counting numbers. But that's a guy who, to me, he should be priced up there in that 15 to one range because of the diversity of his skill set and the fact that Without him, it's kind of a drought theory, right? Without him, the Guardians' offense is, you know, I mean, they're always bottom five anyway, it feels like, but they're really awful. So he's a guy that I think should get a lot of attention throughout the course of the season. Adam, last minute here, any season win total bets that caught your eye early? So I haven't played any yet. And in fact, I will be starting to post my team previews today over at vcin.com. That will be kind of our premium version of my MLB guide. I will say this, I'll bet unders early, but I wait to bet overs. Even if they do go up a little bit, the individualized nature of baseball, the individual player value, I want to know that these teams are getting to opening day healthy. And under an injury can only help me. You know, I hate taking advantage of those situations, but an injury can only help me. As far as overs, I really want to make sure that team gets to the last week of March healthy before I look to invest in any of those. Adam, you're awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us for the last half hour. 
Absolutely. Thank you. That's Adam managing editor. And as he referenced, he's already got the the free MLB betting primer that's available on VEASAN.com right now, but there's going to be a premier version that's coming out here soon. He's going to have those team previews, division previews, futures thoughts, all of the great things coming up here before we officially have first pitch coming up in about a month. We're going to hit the break when we come back, resetting for hour two, get into some more of the NFL news and notes coming out of this week's Combine. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.